What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Test, test. All right. Big day on the Windy City podcast. We have the YouTube page rolling, so I would really appreciate if you subscribe to the YouTube. We're doing just an audio version this week of the NBA All-Star Celebration. I got to sit down with Dominique Wilkins, James Worthy, and Clyde Drexler uh, last week. So all three interviews are coming up on the pod. I asked every single one of them about Scottie Pippen and uh, his book and his anger with Jordan, which is disgusting. And, of course, Pippen doesn't show up at the All-Star game. You get that weird uh, wave of uh, green screen. Scotty. there's some great comments on Twitter about him looking bizarre. Um Actually, I think I think Pip's new hairdo is pretty damn cool. Uh, but how do you not show up to the 75th an- uh, celebration, right? I mean, weird, awkward moments where Isaiah is walking up to Magic and Jordan's behind him and Michael doesn't acknowledge him. Magic acts like he's interested in what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah walks away, Magic turns to Michael, they start laughing, Jordan clearly saying something about the ridiculousness that is Isaiah Thomas. These are the moments, like this, there's real beefs, real beefs, Michael and Isaiah never going to be friends. It's kind of amazing though, right, that at the All-Star game, Jordan and Dennis Rodman, who were once bitter-ass rivals, Jordan, by the way, hitting the banker off the glass to put the Bulls up two games to one in the Eastern Conference Finals in 1989. Rodman guarding him. That was sweet. Isaiah coming over. And we all know the story. Bulls losing three times to him. And the utter hatred that we all had for Detroit. Yours truly, I wanted to bomb the Pistons team playing. That's how much I hated Isaiah, Lambeer, Rodman, the whole thing. But it's fun to look back on right now. And then Mike and Dennis, of course, you know, Dennis winning three championships here. But they're borderline best of friends at the All-Star weekend. Scottie Pippen isn't there. I mean, Mike and Scottie should have been... Side by side, hugging everybody, dream teamers doing everything. Instead, Pippen writes his asinine book to make dough and then doesn't show up. Doesn't apologize, just avoids the whole damn thing. I don't know if he had a real excuse or not, but come on, man. 75th anniversary, 89-year-old Bob Pettit is there. You can't make the trip. That is just, it's just disgusting, really, and, and, and lame and pathetic. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, it's just, 
whatever. I, that the end is uh, a messy one sometimes, and that's what it is with Pip and Mike, which is just too bad. Isaiah actually had a great moment introducing Dominique Wilkins, introducing in quotes, to Dennis Rodman. And uh, the piece that I just wrote on, on Neek, you know, you go back in history, I forgot about it. Atlanta beat Detroit in the playoffs in four games with Neek leading the way. That's before Rodman got there. But those two teams met three times in the playoffs uh, in the early, in the mid 80s, and then. Uh, and then in 91, which Detroit won that series in five before the Bulls ended up sweeping the Pistons, which just spoke to that Detroit was definitely uh, at, at the end because Atlanta's not taken that team to, to five a couple of years earlier, but they were at that point. Dominique, just doing the exercise in my head, if Neek and Pippen had switched places, Dominique led the NBA in scoring in 1986 at 30 a game. Now, that's the year that Jordan broke his foot and the Bulls lost to the Celtics, and that Celtics team was ridiculous. So I don't know if Neek and Jordan beats Boston. But Dominique and Mike in 87, 88, 88, 89, the Bulls are uh, losing to Detroit, okay? They lost 4-1 and 4-2 in those years. Do they win it with Jordan and Pippen? Or Jordan and Wilkins, rather? I think they do. They would add they Wilkins and Jordan were top two, top three scorers in the league at that point. They were top two one year, and Alex English was uh, two, and Wilkins was three another year. Different dynamic. You'd have to figure it out because they're both two scorers. But how are you going to cover the Bulls if you got Dominique and you got Mike? Uh, they would have. And, and so, like, if I'm Dominique Wilkins and I'm looking at Scottie Pippen, Dominique wasn't on the original top fifty. He, he gets in on the top 75, and Neek was pissed about not being on the top 50, and rightfully so. But if I'm him, and I'm looking at Scottie Pippen, and Scottie Pippen's complaining about Jordan. Meanwhile, Pippen, of course, made more money on the court than Jordan did in the NBA. He made over 100 and I think, $7 million, yet he's got beef. Dude, you made $107 million. I know that I know your partner over there, he made a, a billion-plus, so... You've got to sit there in what should be a, 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 I don't know, seven-bedroom house with three pools, and Jordan's got 58 bedrooms, so that probably bothers you on some level. But grow up, dude. Seriously. Your life is sweet, or at least it should be sweet. And I don't know how much, you know, Scotty obviously wasn't uh, a whiz financially, buying planes that didn't have engines, and he has a messy divorce, and he lost his son, and that's some level of pain that I can't relate to and I'm sure is absolutely brutal. But to be angry at Jordan? Dude, come on. And then for a guy like Wilkins, who probably looks at him like, I'm sure that Dominique thinks, like, I was twice the player that Scottie Pippen was. Scottie Pippen never averaged 23 a game. I averaged over 24 a game for 12 straight seasons. And yes, there's more to basketball than just scoring. But the number one skill in basketball is to put the ball in the damn bucket. And Wilkins, objectively, without any question, was better at that than Scotty. All right, I'll let it go at this point. So Dominique coming up his interview. James Worthy is incredibly cool. Uh, Worthy talking about Mike, but also talking about uh, the Lakers and the Celtics. James Worthy is just awesome. Uh, 
And yeah, Clyde Drexler, all class. This is, uh, this is a great pod. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for checking out DeWindy. And please subscribe to that YouTube. DeWindy City. All-Star Game Celebration. Dominique James Worthy Clyde Drexler podcast starts right now. Showtime. One of my favorite players of all, all time, one of the first games that I ever went to, it was the human highlight film against Orlando Woolridge Dunkathon at Chicago Stadium. Dominique Wilkins working with Hennessy. Great, great to see you. You're you're shaking. You remember those days, right? The RIP to Omaha. I do remember that days. I do remember those days. And you know, and people really forget about how good Orlando Woolridge was, man. That guy was a high flyer. Enjoyed playing against him. Incredible talent. And uh, out of Notre Dame, of course, you out of Georgia. And you, you're here today with Hennessy on the top 75 list. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually wondering, Nick, like, who do you think that didn't make the list uh, should be on that list? There's a lot of there's a lot of really big oh, time. There's a lot of guys, you know, um, one that comes into mind is Bernard King. Uh-huh. Oh, man, <laughs> he was the machine. Um, I mean, you can go down the list of guys that you go. I mean, I think Clay Thompson is a guy who's been on there, um, especially with what he's done in his career with the Golden State Warriors. Um, just an amazing, amazing uh, player. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's quite a few guys that I would say I deserve to be on there for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked out a bunch that were not on there. Bernard King's on my list. Alex English. Who that's your uh, era? <laughs> uh, I forgot about him. I mean, uh, hey, David Thompson. Sure. I mean, I mean, you could go down the list of so many guys, but uh, you know, those are the guys if you want to say that definitely should have been on there, and probably even on the greatest. Um, those guys were something else. It's obviously hard to take guys up. Vince Carter, Tony Parker, Chris Bosh, Dwight Howard gets you know. His, had a great run in his prime. T-Mac, uh, Pau Gasol, so, so, some big-time names. Hey, t- tell me about Hennessy and uh, the official spirit of the <clears throat> NBA, Nick. Yeah, you know, you know, the great thing being a part of this weekend, what Hennessy, Hennessy is doing, you know, for All-Star Weekend. And of course, you know, they're the spirit of the NBA and have developed a set of personalized luxury trunks that is complete with, you know, limited edition bottles of Hennessy, v- VS, VSOP, and XO to celebrate the 75th anniversary of each and every one of the players who uh, shown so much excellence over their career. So I'm really happy and excited what Hennessy has done. And also uh, to, to have these trunks that identify with all these great players, man. It's special because these are specialized bottles that, you know, they're going to remember. We're all going to remember forever. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, uh, who's over your, your left shoulder, Nick, who, who's in the picture there back there? That's yours truly. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, I thought so, but I wasn't sure. And you know, the suit and the hoop and just a, a very stern look. Cause you're always, you're always smiling. Yeah. yeah. Well, always, you know, you know, smile, you know, it's healthy. You know, know, one of the things that I'm also excited about with Hennessy is that uh, one of these trunks are going to be auctioned off later in the year and all the proceeds are going to go to unfinished business. So um, this is doing a lot of special things, not just for the players, but for charity as well. 
That's 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 a beautiful thing. Giving back uh, number one. So, all right, let's get into a couple of things around the NBA. Number one, what's happened to your Atlanta Hawks this year, Dominique? It, it, the defense has fallen apart, right? Um, it's it's been a little inconsistent at times, but you know, also you got to look and say, hey, you know, this team has not been healthy all year either. You know, we've been having. We have guys out, you know, for, you know, a couple of guys for, for a month or two. And so now trying to get that chemistry back and get that rhythm back, you know, it's been kind of hard and inconsistent because, you know, every so often you get one or two guys who are out for an extended period of time. So it kind of throws you off. But we're still right there, you know, still got time to get it done. Has the pressure perhaps of the success of last year weighed on these guys to try to duplicate it? Is that fair? It's always pressure when you have excellence like we achieved last year. And so you are not the hunters anymore. You're the hunted. And so you got to be prepared for that each and every night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could talk about your career all night. I'm not going to force you to do a complete <laughs> deep dive, but I, I, and I know you've talked about your, your matchups with Larry a zillion times, but can you give me some bird trash talk? that perhaps has not been discussed that just got under your skin, even to this day, that makes you like, I wish I would have gotten it. Yeah, go ahead. Some things I can't talk about, (laughs) but you know, Bird was an amazing, everybody know how iconic player he was, but yeah, he talked a little trash. My first year in the league, I remember in the Boston garden, I go shake his hand and he put both hands behind his back. And I said to myself, well, okay, well, maybe he's just getting into the game. And so the first play of the game, I'm guarding him because we play the same position. And he says, I don't know why they got you guarding me, Holmes, and he shoots a three. Now, I wasn't mad he made the three. I said, but did this son of a gun just call me Holmes? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it just set up a kind of rivalry with us. And, and he's never really talked trash to me after that because we respected each other's talent and will to win. Uh, but man, I've seen them talk some trash to some guys that would like blow your mind. Like what? <laughs> you know, but he could back it up. Well, he had the one game where he, your entire bench was falling over each other uh, when he's hitting threes from all over. I think he had fifty nine that night. No, and, no, no. He had sixty that night. <laughs> sixty. My, my, my bad. My bad. <laughs> and he was so hot that he was hitting threes with his left hand. And I remember our bench falling all over each other. I remember saying to coach, make sure every one of them get fined for celebrating for him. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun time, so. Yeah, yeah. And one of the greatest, the game seven, one of the greatest games of all time. I remember sitting on my couch watching it and rooting hard for you guys. I I hated the Celtics. Uh, like, but it was, it was uh, a tremendous, tremendous rivalry at the time. I, I'm looking back through the, your playoff history, Nick. Uh, I think one of your, I don't know how much you think about it, but one of your great playoff wins, you, you beat the Pistons. It's a double overtime game four. I believe you had 38 that night. You're taking out Isaiah and Dumars and Lambeer. I mean, the, the East was stacked, man. You had Boston, you had Detroit, and Chicago was coming up. Oh, the East, it was no off nights. And that Detroit Pistons team was physical and I remember and, and we were just as physical and we used to go at it you know funny because Isaiah Thompson and I just talked about it last night on NBA TV about those battles and that was one of the series that we talked about we beat them that year but man you had two 
physical teams that went toe to toe. And that was every night in the East. You know, you just didn't have any nights off. Did you hate Detroit more than you hated Boston because of their physicality? You know what? I probably hate them just as, you know, equally. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you know what the great thing is, though? That all the, after all these years that we can actually sit down and laugh about these games, you know, Isaiah and I, we've been knowing each other since 11th grade. And so, you know, to sit down and, and talk about how we used to play, it's, it's rewarding. We live for those stories. And Bird is the same way. And, uh, man, I can't tell you how enjoyable those times were. Well, and you were also, I'm not sure if you still are, but I, I assume you you still are. Like, you were good friends with Michael. You guys had a great relationship. Um, I'm curious how you're seeing, like, I mean, Mike and Zeke were kind of always at each other, but <laughs> Mike and Scotty, I mean, that was, you know, people would say greatest tandem of all time in the league, and now Pippen has blown up that relationship. What, what, what do you think about what's happened there? It's puzzling, and I don't understand why. You know, when you win seven championships, all that personal stuff goes out the window. And, you know, you know, and Michael and I, you know, we go back since college days, you know, Anytime you can win the way they won, as consistently they won from a six championships in seven years, what are you complaining about? What was I don't get what's what's the problem? You all made a lot of money and you all won a lot of championships. At the end of the day, isn't that what it's about? Yeah, I and understand. I yeah, I, I don't understand it either. Like you made since and, and Scotty, not, not taking anything away from him, great player, top fifty, all of it. Uh but you're probably not there without Mike and you, you made more money on the court in the league than MJ did. I don't get, look, I just don't get it. Yeah. Look, you, you were in a great situation with the greatest player and you won, man, you won. And, and, and do you win without Mike? There's no way you don't win without Mike, you know? So I don't care what you think, what people may think. You you play arguably one of the top three or four greatest players ever played this game, and I, I just don't understand the problem. If he like the, the Bulls make a deal with Seattle to get him, if he ends up in Seattle or Sacramento, do do you think he becomes the player that he became? Because I give him all the credit for in the world for getting there, but he had a lot of. Does he, he win? Does he win six championships? No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, it's an easy question to ask, and that, you know. You probably get ten out of ten people who you ask that question say the same thing, right? I mean, but I think that he might think that he would have been the same player without him. And I'm like, dude. I mean, I respect I respect Scotty, the hell of a player. Um, but sometimes in life, man, is there certain things you got to let go? You just got to let go and just live life because now we're not competitors anymore. You know, you don't want to you don't want to break or screw those relationships. You know, you don't want to you don't want to mess that up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's if, it, if you talk to Mike about it, would you tell him, Hey, just, just, uh, you know, be the bigger man here and, and let it go. Cause I, I got a feeling like those two are not well, going to speak. Tell again. me this, I, but, but tell me this. Have you heard anything from Mike? Not, not a peep. He don't care. <laughs> you know, you know, he's like, you know, I'm just living my life and you know, he, he felt like he doesn't have to comment. Why comment? You know, you right. just create more friction. Yeah. Uh, again, working with Hennessy, Dominic, great to see you. Let, let's wrap up on this F favorite all-star game memory for you. Anything come to mind? I was, I was there in 88 at the slam dunk contest. That's probably not your favorite, but that was a hell of a day. Yeah. But before I get to that, I just wanted to know that the fans were 
can get a, a nice look at these trunks at the Hen Hennessy Digital House of Move this, that, this coming weekend. And um, you can go to HennessyHouseOfMove.com to take a, a look at some of these great trunks. So we just encourage people to do that. But to answer your question about the slam dunk contest, the fact that people still talking about it 32, 33 years, 34, I can't remember, years later, it lets you know it's the greatest dunk contest of all time. No doubt. Uh, just for the record, I know you got to go, but the, but before that was a three-point contest, and I was rooting against Larry because I hated the Celtics, and we were in the last row of the second balcony at Old Chicago Stadium. Bird hits the last three, holds the follow-through, and uh, the place went nuts screaming for, the, for, for, for Bird. I was the only guy that was with my head in my hands. I was upset. You know what happened before the contest? He walks in the locker room and says, which one of you guys is going to take second tonight? <laughs> <laughs> that's some guts man that's some did, confidence did Detlef Shrub raise his hand it's gonna be me Larry <laughs> hey hey, hey. About, you know Larry before his time when you talk about three-point shooting I mean Larry could flat out shoot it now he didn't get open shots a lot of history came with defense right in his face you know he was a he was a man he could shoot the ball no no doubt Hey, Nick, great to see you. Appreciate your time, my friend. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. DeRozan away from the screen. Ooh. Spin cycle again. Do it again! The laundry's done. Spin cycle. Big game, James. Good to see you. How are you, Mark? All good, man. <clears throat> so are you sitting there scratching your head like everybody else? How did the Lakers not at least make a move at the trade deadline to try and, I don't know, somehow, some way fix what's going on? Yeah, you know, I think when they made the move to bring uh, Westbrook in, it was set, man. Uh, you know, it, it it would be hard to uh, like to to put a package together. I think to to bring in anything, I think that would 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 turn it around. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's beyond uh, bringing in a player. I think it's like a some type of virus or something going on with this team that they're not able to get any type of you know cohesiveness. Our connection on the defensive end. So if you if you tr make a trade and bring somebody in, I mean that problem's still there. I mean you know it's it's just not any cohesiveness. Now if they decide that they're going to play some defense, forget about the offense. They're going to decide that they're going to stop letting teams you know kill them in the paint and out rebound them and beat them in transition points. Uh, I, I think what happened is the anticipation was there at the beginning, but it hasn't materialized. And now it's in their head. And so I know they've experienced injuries and the same thing that the rest of the league had. They're not playing hard. They're not playing hard enough to earn respect. And, you know, when you lose to a team like Portland, like they did, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the bottom, bottom low. So, and it's, you can't put this on one person, but ultimately this is LeBron's team. So how much do we point at LeBron and say, hey, this is on you. No matter what, how you do it, you've got to get this turned around. I mean, an, an effort thing, uh, I mean, he can throw. He, he, he can lead that way, can he not? Well, he's, you know, his play has been, I mean, pretty good as far as, <laughs> yeah. as, far as uh, when you look at stats. But when we look at uh, impactful, you know, how impactful, how many, uh, you know, how many, how many defensive assignments are, are you missing? You know, we, we, there's a lot of things I see um, that all players, including LeBron, are, that are just 
blatantly obvious on defense that they have to they have to change, and those are effort things. So, uh, yeah, LeBron is the captain. He is the spokesperson in that locker room, and that's where you, they have to have the meeting of the mind. That responsibility does fall on him. He's that Magic Johnson would have that responsibility. Magic would say, look, guys, we got to do this. We got to do that. This is how we're going to do it. So a lot of his falls on his shoulders, but a lot of it just falls on the fact that these are veteran players. They have to be able to convey the message. Uh, yeah, we're without none. We don't have enough young players, but my gosh, you got to, you got to play it hard. We're way better than this. We, we can beat Portland. We can beat Oklahoma. We can beat the teams that we're supposed to beat. We might have to measure up against, you know, the Phoenix the Warriors and Milwaukee, but we're better than, than, than what we've shown this year. So you just touched on just an interesting part of leadership because, you know, Michael would get, get, gets banged on for being a ruthless leader. Larry would give it to guys. Magic got tied into Paul Westhead. Uh, and, and, but, and LeBron sometimes is not looked at like the nicest guy, but is th- that part of it, like not being worried about having guys like you, but more as, you know, respect you is th- how, how do you see that part of like what, what, what a leader is, is meant to be James? Well, I know LeBron, like the other day, he said, look, he's going to talk to Westbrook. He's going to have, they're going to text each other. And they're going to talk. So I'm assuming that there, there, there's some uh, engagement, uh, you know, how it's being conveyed. I don't know. Uh, but it's critical to have your leader has to lead not only by example, but he has to engage and understand the personalities on the team. Uh, they look to uh, LeBron. The, the thing is, Westbrook is a leader, too. You know, Westbrook has been the guy on teams that he's been the leader. So they got leaders. Uh, I, I think the, one, of the, one of the better spokespersons on the team is, is Carmelo. Uh, Carmelo's been around. He really uh, uh, voices his opinion. Uh, sometimes I think during the game, you know, uh, right on spot. And that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes, you know, a meeting in the locker room, or sometimes it takes right there at that moment. You know, come on, let's go. You got to get in the paint, you know. And, you know, so I see a lot of a lot of hands up. What happened? There are a lot of people looking at each other, pointing fingers. But I don't see that uh, making your teammate, you know, reliable, making him responsible. And that's what, that's what corporate teams and corporations do. They monitor each other. And you don't mind somebody, you know, shaking their finger at you every now and then and saying, hey, we got we to make this work. I don't see that. I see a lot of, you know, oh, boy, what happened there? And it's game after game after game. I want to go back to the 90s, but let me just say one more thing here. I didn't think it was going to work because Russ wants the ball in his hands. LeBron wants the ball in his hands. It's hard to get two guys who are used to playing like that. Okay, now you go stand over here and – I'll give it to you and do, you know, when you, when you get it, then you can play the way you want to play. But even, it's, 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 it's just asking somebody, it's like a fish out of water almost. That was the challenge. That was the challenge when you bring in a dynamic player like that. Uh, I personally, I like what we had uh, because we traded away our defensive part. Uh, we traded away. But I understand today's game is there's a lot of changes, a lot of components. So I'm, I'm with that. I'm with, the, you know, it's just their, this is their league. And so, they, you know, when you look at what Brooklyn was doing and you look at what 
Uh, Golden State was, you know, getting their getting their swag back, and I guess they they wanted to make sure that they could keep up with that. And so, when you bring in a Westbrook, the challenge is going to be, you know, uh, Westbrook is not like your off guard shooter. He's not going to be. I mean, he he's a streaky shooter, but he's not the off guard. He's not going to be sitting out there. He does need the ball. So that was the challenge. And so I was like, okay, they know that this is going to be, you know, one of their biggest, you know, challenges. So they, they, they have to be willing to sacrifice. I don't see it yet. I still see a lot of stagnation on offense. There's no movement. You know, I don't care who handles the ball. Uh, they need to be getting 30 assists a game, um, and, and they're not doing that. And Westbrook is not finishing at the rim. Uh, I think he's may lead the league and miss layups. And so um, it's not, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't worked yet. So they got a lot of work here in these last 25 or 26 games. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So you're working with Michelob. We're going back to the nineties. I got some nineties questions for you and, and, and big game. I got to just get it on the table here. I'm a Chicago guy. I was at the 91 finals. It was uh, the game that you guys won game one. That was, I don't know if you remember it at all, but in the pregame, they they played Do You Believe in Magic uh, when you guys were warming up. And like everyone's kind of like enjoying the music. And then they realize they're playing Do You Believe in Magic and the boo started coming down. And then they play the Hey song. The Bulls come out of the locker room. I had never seen atmosphere like that in a pregame. So anyway, uh, 90s hoops was the greatest uh, you're working with Michelob. What, what, and you're, you, you got your, we got the Matumbo and Clyde and, and, and Dominique. Uh, what, what do you remember about NBA jams? And uh, you, we got a lot going on here. Yeah. I mean, it, it's nice to, to, to work again uh, with, with Michelob ultra, you know, we've, we've always worked with Anheuser-Busch over the years. Uh, they've been a big part of our sponsorship and NBA uh, jams to, to, you know, just to, to, to reunite that the glory days, you know, uh, of the 90s. You know, the, the 92 was, I think, was my last uh, all-star weekend that I was chosen to play in Miami. So it was really nice to see all these new players start to come in. You know, Jordan was still dominating, but Kim Olajuwon in Houston, you know, it was the, the birth of a guy like, you know, big shot Robert Ory was starting to, to play. And, and, then, and then this guy named Kobe Bryant came along and then coupled with Shaq and so uh the all-star weekends were full of excitement you know you know Larry Bird may have had his last three-point shooting contest maybe around 90-91 so it was good to see uh the torch being passed from Larry and Bird to MJ to all these new players that were coming in you know uh Tim Duncan was starting to make a, a stand Carl Malone was still dominant so it was just nice to get with your 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 people that you compete against, you know, and let your hair down a little bit. There might be a player you might have to reconcile something with. You know, you might see him in the hotel. You know, a month ago you were getting ready to throw blows, and you know you might see him at the All Star game. You're like, oh, okay, man. You know, let's just get this. So it's a fun weekend, and you know, get with uh, corporate sponsors and kind of you know just relax a little bit. It's nice. Who was your least favorite Celtic? All of them. <laughs> I know. I, I would have to say Larry. You know, Larry, you know, he talked too much trash, said some things on the court. But, uh, and you know, I had to guard him. He never had to guard me. So, nah, but, you know, uh, I, I was a big Cedric Maxwell fan when he played in college. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, guys like 
Robert Parrish. I saw him play in college. And so we, we all liked each other. Uh, really. I, I mean, I, I got, I got a chance to know Kevin McHale uh, afterwards. So it's not that we hated each other. It's just that we hated that Boston and, and, uh, and Laker rivalry. you know, the Lakers never beat the Celtics before we did. So it was a lot of history there. Uh, but Danny Ainge was probably the biggest crybaby. So I have to go with Danny. Oh, I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you mentioning him. Uh, 87 Lakers, 86 Celtics. Who wins that game? Uh, 87, 87 Lakers. You know, we were better. We lost to them once in 84, and we always feel like we should have won that game, you know, that series. We didn't. So, but, but they felt like their, their 86 team was, was, was with their best. Unfortunately, we, we, we got ousted by Houston, but I think our 87 team was better than their 86. We were quicker, we were faster, and uh, they were good, but I don't, they didn't want any more of that. Right, right. I, I hear you. Did, did Bill Lambeer foul Kareem? Yes, underneath. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trick, and people have to look at it. Nothing up top, but with the hips, a little pressing with the hips. Referees were on to it, you know. We knew all of Bill Lambeer's tricks. It was a foul. He earned that call, even if even underneath or not, the dude had earned it. Let's 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 be honest. Uh, can can yeah. I get can I get a, a Mike story that you perhaps haven't told recently? Any any anything back at Carolina or even in the league? So, something that uh, Michael, man, I only had a you know we only played a year in college. Uh, you know he was just uh, Michael was uh, very competitive. I mean he he was very confident when he first came to Carolina, like like. He could lose a game of backgammon and, and be absolutely destroyed, angry, as if he lost a game seven or something. And he had to have redemption immediately. He couldn't wait. If he lost to you, he needed to redeem himself immediately. And I just remember, you know, I was, I was the best guy on the team when he came. So his mission was to seek out the best and just measure up. So he... We practice two and a half, three hours sometime. And, you know, we got to get back to the dorm, got to eat, got to go to study hall. And I'd be walking off the court, like drenched. And Michael would just come and, you know, kind of bully me a little bit, like pushing me <laughs> back toward the court. Come on, what you, you scared? Let's play a little game. So I think we play these little games to five. And I think I won three out of five and I never played again. And I, to this day, I think it just kills him that I have that record on him. And we play like these little games. And he finally had to admit it, I think, on uh, on some special. But he was extremely competitive, man. And that's what you loved about him. And I, I think I, I made the quote on his documentary, The Last Dance. I said, look, I was better than Mike, you know, when he came to Carolina for about three weeks. And then after that, he just he just took off. The, the MJ Pippen thing, does that surprise you that Scotty just blew up that relationship? Yeah, I, yeah, that kind of surprises me that, you know, um, that perhaps, you know, he had been holding on to something that it just came out. I was, I was, not, I was just disappointed. And I hope that, you know, I know Michael, he's not one to, to kind of reconcile too often, but I hope that they realize that what they built together was special. And, you know, teammates don't always, see eye to eye a lot of things sometimes they hold feelings in but as men 
just because men don't do this that well. They just need to sit down and chat. Because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of love there, more than this little thing that they got going on now. Who who are you closest with with your former Lakers, James? Uh, Kareem and I are really close. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm close to about all of them. Michael Cooper. Uh, I see Magic. Byron Scott and I play golf from time to time. So, you know, we, we were close. And our relationships, you know, uh, have lasted, you know, uh, after basketball. We see each other a lot. Reminisce. It's kind of cool. That, pur- that purple uh, and gold, man. It's there's yeah. just, there's something about it. Uh, let's just wrap on this. Uh, I I think everybody obviously misses Kobe. Like, what what do you, what do you miss most about uh, not not having eight and twenty four around? It's just like I mean, he was such a unbelievable person on and off the court. It, it's uh, and I, I sit here, I watch on like I watch on social media just clips of him. It's like mo- like Kobe motivation every day. Like his it's it's just such a he was such a oh, just a, a winner and 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 so many layers for Kobe too. Yeah, he was a special person, man. Um, you know, he he had sneakers from Nike that only he could get made for him. And there was only like one of a kind. So uh sometimes you like you would hear these stories about, you know, uh Kobe after the Laker games, he would just ride down Skid Row and get out and do whatever, give money, give food, and every now and then you see some somebody on Skid Row with a pair of Kobe's on, and you'd know he'd been down there. Wow. So there's a lot of unknowns about Kobe. He was a genius, man. And, you know, he was a young kid that grew up fast. And uh, I just miss his genius. His legacy was going to be even bigger, uh, winning an Oscar, uh, what he was doing with, with women's sports, what he was doing with the WNBA and his own daughter. So uh, he was just an amazing guy. You know, one, one his last year in the league was Byron Scott was coaching, and I was helping Byron with with some of his bigs. You know, Julius Randle, Larry Nance, who footwork and stuff. So I, you know, got a call at ten o'clock one night, and Kobe, who really didn't come to practice that much. Uh, he wanted me to meet him in the gym the next morning. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Cause I was like, what? And he wanted to go over some footwork stuff with me. Like, and, and I'm like, dude, I've already seen you do just about everything plus, but he just, he was, he was a little older and there was just some little things he wanted to know about positioning footwork. And I was like, damn, when is he going to stop? trying to learn and then he told me about a a tape that he used to his dad played in Italy so when he lived in Italy his dad used to get all these uh beta matches and VHSs or NBA games and he said yeah I saw this in 1985 you did this drop step underneath and then he showed it to me and he said yeah I got that tape on VHS and it just blew my mind that's the kind of guy he was he didn't have any freaking hobbies it was all about the game he loved it like he lived it. He loved it. He ate it. He dreamed it. And that's all he wanted to do. And so that's that's what I remember about about Kobe. Yeah, I mean, I remember being at a shoot around Bulls Lakers. It the Bulls were bad at this point. It's eleven o'clock in the morning. I don't know if they had played the night before, but everyone's leaving. He's on the court shooting fadeaways at eleven. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. one after one after another. So yeah. big game, tremendous career. Uh, there was nothing better than growing up at, I was 11 in, in, in well, I was nine and 82. It's the first championship game. I remember um, that was, yeah. so at any rate in, in the whole career and, I hated the Celtics for, but who who didn't, who didn't, but I was, I was a Bulls guy. It actually hurt my heart back in the day because the Bulls would never sell out. Lakers would come in, sold out. Celtics would come in, sold out. Sixers, Sixers would come in. Dr. J sold out. And then, and Mike brought it up, but uh, Hey, yeah. Great to see you working with Michelob and uh, look forward to catching up down the line. Big James. All right, brother. Have a good one. Just let him go. One of the best isolation players in the game. Good to see you, Clyde Drexler. First off, are you have you settled in after all the the moves in Portland? CJ McCollum, one of the class Blazers of all time, exiting. That's that's never easy. That's never easy. And and when teams give up great players like that, you kind of wonder what they're thinking. He's in his prime. Here's a guy who's been a great producer for your franchise, and you give up on him. I, 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 you know. As a casual fan and a guy who knows a little bit about the game, I don't understand those moves because the, the moves is the, the better, the more good players you get, the better your chances of winning. <laughs> so, and that's, I mean, I looked at the return and Josh Hart's a nice player, but he's not the player of CJ McCollum. I, I honestly, and you're, you're, you're protected first round picks. I, I, and, and, and New Orleans is going to be good. The, the, you, so I, I didn't, I didn't get it. I'll be honest. I didn't get it either. Well, think about it. New Orleans made a great move. The Blazers, you know, I don't know what they're doing. I'm not privy to that information. But uh, think about New Orleans. You got Valanchunas, you got McCollum, now you got Ingram, and you got Williams, Zion, when he gets back. You got a pretty strong lineup. They could be a top three Western Conference team. And young. And young. Like like that. And, 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 And Portland. Even though they still have Lillard, I'm sure Lillard has got to be thinking, I, I've got to go somewhere to compete for a title, unless he just wants to stay there and uh, finish out his career. But if he's competitive, I'm sure he's looking to go someplace to win. Well, and that's the thing with Dame that I've appreciated, that he hasn't run from the responsibility of playing in Portland through great teams in the Western Conference. And I think anybody would say that they have not had the same talent. You can't put it on Damon. He's hit huge shots in as big a moments as you can have. So I, I, I'm sure, I think you probably respect guys too, Clyde, that, you know, don't run to let me jump out with these great players. Then that makes me a winner. But at some point for Dame, it's kind of like, well, now you're getting the back towards the back end. And maybe it makes sense for you to play elsewhere. Well, here, here's what I will tell you, Mark. And everyone's different. They have their own, uh, conceptions, uh, perceptions about what they'd like to do, right? For me, we were, we, were, we were challenging for a title when I was younger. And so as I got a little older, 31, 32, they started thinking, well, we may need to rebuild, which was premature, I thought, because Utah kept their team together for four or five years after that, and we were ahead of them, right? We had gone yep. to two times. And so they, they prematurely busted up that team. But just the rhetoric you hear, and for me, I'm thinking, well, I had a couple of injuries, but I'm healthy now, so I want to compete. They're starting to rebuild and without even saying it, but you can see the handwriting on the wall. So as a player, you have to make that adjustment and you have to make that decision real quick. Do I want to stay here and, and be beloved and maybe I don't win a championship, but they love you here in Portland? That wasn't enough for me. I want to compete. I'm a competitor. 
I want to win. I don't want to sit back and, you know, teach the young guys how to play. <laughs> I can't even, I'm a player. Come on. I'm not a, I'm not a coach. That's called the coach. <laughs> so my thought was I wanted to go and compete for a championship and I was 31 or 32 and we were able to win it. I, it's the best move I ever made. Trust me. You know, and, I, and your situation totally different because you were a huge part of those Rockets teams. I'm talking about a guy that's like, well, now you're the fourth guy, the fifth guy. You know, you know, you 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 were running side by side, and that was a and a worthy ending to a Hall of Fame career. I I love that you say it's the best move you ever made because you know it also brought you back to the college roots too. So you, I mean, there's nothing but smiles thinking about you know playing with the Rockets at the back end. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I'm from Houston, too. So right. that was the only option that I thought was a favorable option. I don't know if I would have gone someplace else, but uh, that was a great fit. And uh, luckily it happened. But so Dame has got to make his decision. I mean, you you willing to stick in and go through a, re- a rebuilding uh, situation at, at, as you're getting up in age? I don't know. Every, everyone's different. You know, they make enough money nowadays where it may not even matter. <laughs> well, it almost seems kind of too that maybe Portland owes it to Dame. Say, hey, we appreciate all you've done. You deserve to compete for a title. We're not giving you that opportunity. Let's find the best spot for you. Just, you know, just kind of encourage it, basically. Well, uh, hopefully that'll be the case. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens as time passes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So here, let, let me go back to the 90s here and, and class with Michelob. So, I listen, I, I was at uh, the 92 finals. I grew up a huge Bulls fan. Let me just get this all on the table. Okay. So uh, game six was the greatest night of my life as a sports fan. I was section, uh, section C, row H, seat 17 and 18. My brother wanted to leave after the Bulls won. I'm like, we're not going anywhere. The Bulls are going to come out in the scorer's table. This is the greatest moment in Chicago sports history. I also remember you dunking all over the Bulls on game two of the series going six. And then I'm watching the last dance. And here's Mike and Magic, and I'm going to give it to this guy. And I'm thinking, where, well, what's Clyde doing at home watching this? I'm going to give it to this guy. What's that? What's that? Probably not surprising, but what that, what's that all about? Hey, I probably had the same thought. <laughs> it, it's a compliment, though, because here's a guy that, you know, you're, you're on the level with, with Mike. And, and, I mean, that's a pretty good level to be on, right? I was pretty good level. Michael's a heck of a player. And, and, you know, I had a lot of success against Michael and the Bulls, our teams. And so it wasn't like it was going – I mean, think about game six. Think about it. We were up 15 going into the fourth quarter. If you remember that, Mark. I do. I do. So, I remember so if we it well. That, if we win that quarter, we go to game seven. Anything can happen. So that let you know it was very competitive. Oh, for sure. And I mean, Bobby Hansen's hitting threes and Stacey King is playing five times above where he's at and the Bulls are getting calls. Uh, I, yeah, that's the key word. <laughs> well, you knock down Buck Williams and I mean, that, that's an offensive foul all day. It's at least 75% of the time. I, I get it. Are you surprised by the Jordan Pippen fallout, Clyde? Look, looking at that thing? Well, both of those guys have been my teammates and uh, on the dream team. And both great guys, and, and, and I don't know what Pippen is thinking. Uh, I have no idea, but uh, I'm sure those two have their own rifts to, to bear, and, and we'd like to see it come to an end because it, it's, it's not a good look. Uh, they're a great, great duo. Don't, don't tarnish that. I, I, I think Michael has taken the, the, the high road, and, uh, you know, Michael loves Pippen. Pippen loves Michael, so I don't think it's – I don't think it's personal, but it could become personal if it continues. 
I think we're, I think we've, I don't know. It seems to me like Mike may never speak to him again, but we'll see. We shall see. Hopefully that's not the case. Michael's got, I mean, he's got thick skin. He's a tough guy, but I think uh, they just need to sit down and talk. Okay. Fair enough. So tell, tell me about this partnership with Michelob and NBA jams. Did you ever play NBA jams? Clyde, were you that guy? I can't, I don't know if I can picture you in front of the big console doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I was a big fan in the, in the 90s uh, because that was cutting-edge technology, Mark. <laughs> you know, Michelob was the original sponsor. And so to bring that back, uh, we got the Michelob Jams All-Star Weekend in Cleveland. To bring that back and to see all the, the old heads who are going to be there from the 90s, that's always a lot of fun. Uh, we'll relive some great memories and talk about some of the great moments of NBA Jam. <laughs> who who was the dirtiest player of the nineties, Clyde? Who 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 who? Oh, by far, it was Bill Lambeer. I mean, okay. everybody who plays knows okay. that. By far. Okay. What what about somebody that you had to guard? I mean, I don't I know I don't know if you probably never matched up with Stockton. That wouldn't make sense. But maybe maybe he maybe I don't know. He 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 had he got that reputation on the back end. Yeah, I mean, everybody played like that back then. <laughs> if you didn't play like that, we're going to get on you. So everybody played tough, physical, and, and you had to be a heads-up player. But, uh, you know, a couple of guys who were just beyond dirty. And so yeah. uh, for the most part, everyone was a competitor, and uh, we all respected each other, which was the key ingredient. Well, let's wrap on this then. I, I think you're up against the clock. The way the game is played now, do you enjoy watching it? The way the game is played, I love the way the guys uh, compete. Um, I, I like to see it a little bit more physical. The good thing is this season they seem to have taken out a lot of the flopping. You know, it's not so easy to get to the free throw line like it has been like the last six or seven years where you can just run into a guy and you get two free throws or go under his arm. You're, you're initiating contact, but you get the foul. I mean, all of that, that's not a part of basketball. Quit trying to trick the officials into getting to the free throw line. If, and if you let them do that, you change the integrity of the game. That cannot happen. I was right there with you. That's the word that was coming to mind, integrity. Come on. You're, like, you love your sport, integrity of the sport, integrity of competition. Let's go. Let's do it the right way. Uh, and, and, and also, Mark, when we played, yeah. you know, we weren't out there. Some, you know, very few occasions if you played with a guy in college, you go and shake his hand before the game on the floor. And then maybe give him a hug, but 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 if you're on the other team, basically, you know, we're going we're coming to play extremely hard against you. You know, I don't care if you're my brother. We we, we made the best team win. Now I like to see more of that. These these guys today, they seem to be a little bit too friendly. You know, win, lose, or draw. I mean, if we lost by twenty at home, I don't know if I'm gonna be on on the court congratulating the other team and smiling. I may I may congratulate them, but I'm not smiling. Trust me. I do see on the old school, LeBron will walk right off. He's at, in, in, oh, yeah. Down the tunnel. It's, see you later. Yeah, he's a competitor. I mean, he's like, well, we'll get you next time. Good luck. I yeah. mean, you won tonight. We'll see you again. That's the attitude. And, you know, some, some guys had rivalries, grudges. They couldn't stand each other, which made for better basketball. <laughs> the greatest. I loved it. Uh, uh, couldn't couldn't have enjoyed growing up more in that in the 80s and 90s era. Hey, Clyde, uh, working with Michelob. Great to see you as always. I always love when I get a chance to talk to you, so appreciate the time. Hey, Mark, and I wish you continued success. I don't know what Pippen is thinking. This 
so the first play of the game, I'm guarding him because we play the same position. And he says, I don't know why they got you guarding me, Holmes, and he shoots a three. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. You know, Larry, you know, he talked too much trash, said some things on the court. But, uh, and, you know, I had to guard him. He never had to guard me. I don't know what Pippen is thinking. Look, you, you were in a great situation with the greatest player, and you won, man. You won. And, and do you win without Mike? There's no way. You don't win without Mike. Did Bill Lambeer foul Kareem? Yes, underneath. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trick. And people have to look at it. Nothing up top, but with the hips. A little pressing with the hips. Kobe, after the Laker games, he would just ride down Skid Row and get out and do whatever. Give money, give food, and every now and then you see some somebody on Skid Row with a pair of Kobe's on. You'd know he'd been down there. We were up 15 going into the fourth quarter. If you remember that, Mark. I do. I do. So, I remember so it we well. That, if we win that quarter, we go to game seven. Anything can happen. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.